Asmi, not the end chronicles. Chapter 16 The three-hour long bus drive to Maddie's house made me think again if I should have dragged Mike into my problem. He had been carrying this huge baggage of guilt for his inability to help his mother. Perhaps doing something for me would help him feel better, I had thought. He had asked me out more than once during those initial days of my working. Knowing about Puneet and Samantha made him assume he could date me. He picked out women who wouldn't expect a ring from him and that made him assume I would be interested in a no-strings-attached relationship. Multiple polite refusals from me hurt his ego for he thought I was just trying to be hard to get. Either I wasn't able to send the message across clearly or he didn't want to comprehend, not wanting to accept failure, but we had a tough time communicating. His intimidating stares would give me the creeps, turning me beetroot red with discomfiture. However, my blushing with embarrassment was read as achievement by Mike. He had tasted easy success with girls around, particularly if they were his subordinates. He tried gentleness, he tried firmness, he tried logic and he even tried emotion to coax me. He glowered, glared, he used his deathly stares on me. Fixing him with a steely look, I told him frankly that it was wrong to meddle in other people's lives whenever he brought up Samantha and Puneet in an argument to convince me to go out with him. At one point, I considered reporting him to the seniors, but I didn't want to be the talk of the office. Plus, he had never really crossed any line until that one night when I thought he would. I was so wrong. We generally categorize people and decide all there would be actions for them in our minds. That night, I had to attend the party where I was to receive the Best Performer Award for the year. I would have otherwise avoided attending knowing Puneet and Samantha would be there, for they both were project managers. Samantha asked me if I was keen on going when I told her that I would. She said she and Puneet had plans to attend her sister's birthday party the same night. I shrugged not knowing why she needed to tell me, but she did not keep me guessing for long. The awards are generally announced late and Puneet says he will have to wait to get you back home safely. She said, He need not wait, I can cab it out. I said, I know, but he would not agree if I suggest, uh... Who all are going from your team? She asked. What do you want, Samantha? I asked. If you tell him someone can drop you, he might agree to come to my sister's party. You know very well he won't let you take a cap after midnight. She said, narrowing her gaze to read my expressions. I nodded in agreement. She made sure I carried out her wish at the party. When Puneet and Mike were around, she reminded me by raising her eyebrows. I told Puneet the way she wanted me to and he agreed, but not before confirming with Mike. Yeah, why not? I'll drop her. No problem at all, said Mike glancing at me quizzically. Sometime later, I relaxed in the company of Mahi and Pari as Puneet and Samantha had left the party. I had never worked with them but we knew each other from cafeteria. Though I preferred eating at my desk alone, but at times when Samantha took longer in the kitchen or when she left a bigger mess behind, 
big enough to take up my cooking time, I ended up eating from the cafeteria. As Samantha had pointed out, the awards were announced after music and dancing. When at last I took my plate and stood at the buffet table, I spotted Mike walking toward me. Congratulations, he said offering his hand. Thanks, I said smilingly but without taking his hand. He picked up a plate to occupy the hand that he had stretched. This is vegetarian, I said. I know, he said casually and added. Are we leaving already? I thought you were enjoying. He asked. I am leaving. You did not take it seriously, did you? You don't have to drop me. I said hurrying with whatever little I was filling my plate with. I stick to my commitment. I told Puneet I'll take you home. And if I remember, with two drinks down, I don't get so forgetful. It was your suggestion. He taunted. Look, I didn't want him to wait for me, so I had to say that. You really need not. I stressed. Your husband didn't want to wait to see you being felicitated? Strange. He shrugged, closing the topic about his taking me home. Without even acknowledging his comment, I began picking on my food. He polished off whatever little he had in his plate in a few minutes. Changing the stream of conversation completely, he asked me, I saw you dancing with your friends. You dance very well. You were a different person with them. How do you know Mahi and Pari? We meet at the cafeteria sometimes, and they are Indians. I said, So? He furrowed his brows. What so? I asked. You are comfortable with them because they are Indians. I am an American, is that why cold shoulder to me? He asked. No, it is... Uh, you are my boss, I said. Are you scared that being friendly to your boss will be seen as unprofessional? He argued. Maybe, I said. You have any idea how being friendly with Mahi and Pari is viewed? He asked. Look, I have no idea and I do not care what people think about me, so keep your opinion to yourself. Please do not ask me why Puneet didn't wait for me. Also, please, please, please don't point out to me that he is with Samantha all the time. Also, don't you dare to assume since he can be with Samantha, I can be with you. I had tried my best to keep my voice low and yet to confirm no one heard us, I looked around. I gulped down a full glass of water to cool down and got up with a sprint. I wasn't pleasantly surprised to see him entering the elevator with me. Ask me to relax and listen to me. You don't want to create a scene here. I am going to take you home safely and you cannot stop me from doing that. He said in a stern, bossy tone, sincerely meeting my gaze. It wasn't his bossy tone but the sincerity in his eyes that made me follow him to his car quietly. When he didn't start the car for quite some time and when he folded his leg turning completely to my side, I was forced to look his way. Why are you looking at me like this? I asked my voice shaking with fear. I'm drunk and we'll have to wait it out, he said flatly. Why didn't you tell me up there? I asked. You will have to ask yourself that as me. He answered as he stretched to relax, still eyeing me up. Shall we wait outside? I asked. Do you know DJ technologies? He asked disregarding my question and changing the direction of our conversation yet again and completely. Yes, they are our competitors. I answered. Do you want to work for them? He asked. No, why do you ask? I questioned back. Because your friends are. He answered in a clipped tone. Who? I asked. Did you know? Ignoring my question, he asked. A question for a question, I asked who? 
I said a little annoyingly. This is supposed to be an interrogation, but you won't let it be that, would you ask me? He asked his tone absolutely a no-nonsense one. What interrogation? I asked like a subordinate in an office should. Mahi and Pari are joining DJ Technologies. Miss Danderson doesn't trust Indians. And this is not the first time that an Indian has eloped to join a competitor after coming here on a project. I had recommended your name for heading a new project and was asked to do a background check on you. You might not have liked the friendly way I inquired about your husband's girlfriend, but they wanted me to find out if you're married to Puneet at all, or is it some pretext that you're using to get into our company or a uh, country? He said, boring his glazed eyes into me. What do you even mean? What do you think? I stammered. Her work. Fantastic. What she lacks in people skills, she makes up with her hard work and dedication. She's reserved and known to be approved by the teammates but has never got into any trouble. I have absolutely no doubt about her integrity. This is what my report says about you. The look of concentration in his eyes, the flat press of his lips and the slight shaking of his voice was enough to embarrass me to death. I tried to look away but that would only mean accepting his accusation. that i knew about mahi and pari what if i knew i wondered would i be expected to report to mike or their seniors thank god i didn't know them well these kinds of lessons brought out the reserved nature in me i let myself go only when i am around people i can really fully trust i'm sorry i said sorry his voice echoed hollowly you knew about mahi and pari He asked in a hushed voice. No, no, I didn't. Honestly, Mike, I swear I didn't. But I was just wondering if I knew what would I have done, you know, like what was expected of me. Would I have reported about their plans, like I knew about Puneet and Samantha before marrying him? But what was I supposed to do? I said, closing my eyes and feeling the sharp pain behind my eyelids from the suppressing of tears. Ask me wait. Before you react to the moment and tell me about your personal life, which I know you don't like telling anyone, let me confess this is not about the interrogation. He pulled himself up from the slouching position of earlier and looked at me earnestly. Meaning, I was getting confused by each passing minute. See, as your head, I either trust you or I don't. I have no right to interrogate, but honestly, I personally got interested in knowing you better. You intrigue me, Asmi. I know you need a friend you can trust and I want to be that. Take your time to think. Tell me only if you are comfortable. He said as he cleared his throat and flexed his hands on the steering wheel. Suddenly looking at his watch, he jerked his head, then taking his mobile, he dialed a number. Pleading with his eyes to be excused for a moment, he waited for the phone to be answered. "Hi baby, call to remind you it's sleep time." He said and then added, "In an hour or so. You have school, don't wait up, all right?" He said and then wishing good night he put the call out Your daughter I asked casually smiling Step sister he answered but no one knows He added after a pause he was flustered now I could tell and I had to feel pity for him Oh I mumbled Yeah I smiled at him Slowly almost reluctantly he returned my smile It's hard to explain He shrugged self conscious Then you don't have to explain I'll never ask I said, "I'm sorry I have embarrassed you by pointing at Puneet and Samantha, risen brows just like others and yet you want to give me a way out, saying I'll never ask. You really are a wonder as me." He said, 
There is nowhere one could go to run away from oneself. It is only the world we learn to stay away from, and that is what you as well as me are doing in our own different ways. I understand. It wouldn't do to be petty and judgmental. I said, "I was an only child, a normal, yes, a little pampered upbringing I got. My mother was my best friend. I could talk to her about everything, but it was very late when I realized she had nobody to confide in." She knew all about the affairs my father's had but she preferred to ignore it. She didn't want to complicate my life. She lived a lie to make me believe in that lie, to give me a happy upbringing. She compromised her life, all her happiness for me. He rubbed his face, I'm sure to erase some of the memories that hurt. No words even to acknowledge that I was listening came from my mouth. He continued. One day when I came home from work, it was during the first week of my first job as an intern. I found a girl barely my age, 2023, crying in my mother's arms. From my mother's flustered face, I knew this was not some needy lady coming for help. It had something to do with our family. Mom asked me to go to my room and let them talk, but I was reluctant to go. That lady found the courage to ask my mom to let me stay. She said I ought to know these things to get wiser. My mom then told me who she was and why she was here. That lady was Rini's mother, one of my father's girlfriends, and she was suffering from some incurable disease. She wanted my mom to take Rini under her care. I could not believe and instead of understanding my mother's point of view, I hurled hurtful allegations at her. I told her by accepting such nonsense from my father, she had taught me wrong things. I blamed her for teaching me the basics of the word respect wrongly. My palms had covered my mouth, but my wide eyes could not hide the surprise. Luckily, he kept staring at the road ahead, hanging his wrists on the steering wheel lightly. Everyone in the office thinks Rini is your daughter. They think you got some girl pregnant in your teens and had to own up. I said as he slanted me a quick glance. I let them assume that it was it is easier than letting them know that Rini was my father's mistake, you know, less embarrassing. He said and then added, "You're the first person in our office to know now." I stared at him, breath drawn and mute for a minute. "My, I I don't know. You want me to know you trust me." I managed to say. He didn't say a word only waited then composing his thoughts he said also that I want you to trust me like my mother if you are tolerating nonsense then I want to tell you it is wrong I feel I let her down bad but I wanted to say something to console him but he held up his palm to stop me and insisted I know I did I did not accept baby Rini in the beginning I made my mother feel she was doing wrong by accepting her My father had changed. He respected my mother and he cared for her. Ah. Oh. While he changed for better, I kept changing for worse. I stopped believing in goodness, in love, in God. I can only imagine how my shutting myself out of her life, how my criticizing her, taunting her, sneering at the innocent baby must have tortured her. When Rini was about 2 years old, she managed to change my heart. I had by then accepted her and apologized to mom. Life was just coming back to normal when my father died of liver failure. and within a year my mom passed away in an accident oh sorry i said lightly touching his knee i could punch puneet in his face if you let me i could talk to your parents let me help you please he said suddenly sprinting up with excitement i don't have parents and i'm not tolerating anything i am just facing the consequences of my decisions it was my choice mike puneet is not my tormentor mike you don't have to hate puneet i said you're lying us me and i don't understand why you think i bought that story of yours falling off a chair and all mike said with so much vehemence in him i was scared he might take out the pent up anger against his father on puneet some day 
so I had to tell him all about Puneet's situation and mine. I knew from the beginning this marriage was a mistake, but I really had no choice. My standing up for myself would have meant calling off the marriage. Such a decision would have dimmed the chances of my uncle's daughters getting good proposals, upsetting my uncle in turn, and that would have meant upsetting things for my granny. She looked after her sisters. Didn't she deserve a comfortable old age? I told him with as much honesty as possible, leaving out some of Puneet's initial aggressive display of hatred towards me. We travelled in silence, and somehow the silence was enough for communicating. Coming from different cultures altogether, I still felt he could comprehend even what I didn't say from all that I said. We became good friends since then, and I could think of taking his help to wriggle out of Puneet and Samantha's life. When the bus jerked to a stop at Maddie's stop, I brought myself out of my contemplation. Asmi, not the end chronicles by Anita S J, to be continued.